We'd like to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad you're here worshiping today with us. We welcome you this morning. Amen. And if you're watching us this morning on theantioch.com, we welcome you this morning into our broadcast. Praise God. It's great to have brother and sister John and Sherry Hemus sneaking in over there from Liverpool. I know quite a few, quite a, many of you drive from quite a distance to get here, but they, they love it so much they flew in from England just to be with us this morning. That's a commute and a half there, but we're glad they're here. Amen. And uh, Sister uh, Trish Bailey was not here today. She had a death in her family. So we have a special guest playing for us this morning. Amen. My nephew, Timothy, playing for us. Timothy, thank you for coming and worshiping with us this morning. Didn't he do a good job? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. Praise God. I come this morning, and um, as I was, I, I've, I've sought the Holy Ghost for direction, and I thought I had some, and I thought I had a little bit over here, and when I got up here, I got another direction again, and so I don't have any notes today. Um, and I don't say that for you to panic because the Lord was giving it to me and I didn't have time to write it down. So we're just going to trust him. Is that all right? And go from there and uh, see where the river takes us. Sometimes you got to put the paddle away. You got to take the life jacket off. You got to get out of the canoe and he's got to float with the river. And the Holy Ghost is going to take us somewhere. So... You know what? You can be seated this morning. I don't have a title. I think I have something to read, but I don't have a title. And so instead of having you stand there expecting me to have a title, I don't have one this morning. So in case you need one for, for the preaching, you might struggle this morning. But yesterday was a, a, a great day from two occasions. Yesterday, uh, we had the memorial service for Brother Dennis Sharman great man that's been a member of this church for many years, a member of this congregation. And uh, we had a great, great day for him. It was one of those days, I said it yesterday, it's one of those days where you're caught between two emotions. You're sad, but you're very happy at the same time because you're sad for yourself, really, because you've lost a friend, someone that was such a dear part of this church. But on the other side, we're very happy because he's fought a a long battle of illness, and we know that he is with the Lord. But I mentioned something yesterday, and, and I want to just mention to you today, and we're going to take that and kind of go a different direction than we did yesterday. But I read this this week, came across it, and I thought it was interesting, and I used it yesterday. Most of you have probably never heard of it, but in 1851, in London, England, they held what was called the Crystal Palace Exhibition. And the purpose of this exhibition was to showcase the great inventions of the day, to showcase the cutting technology of that time. And the thing that was really starting to take hold 
during that period of time was steam. Steam was a new invention. Steam was something they were just learning how to harness. And everything was starting to be made of steam. Everything had endless possibilities of what could be made with steam. Sort of like when they discovered atomic energy, they decided to make everything out of, they were thinking everything could be made from atomic energy. Everything in your house could run off atomic energy until they realized we'd all be glowing with radiation. They decided that was not a good deal. But everything thought, everybody thought steam could do everything. And so you went to this exhibition and you saw a, a farm plow that ran off steam and you saw all kinds of other stuff that ran off steam. And they actually had a steam cannon. Many different things that ran off steam. But there was one invention that caught the eye of all the attendees there that day. This invention had 7,000 parts to it. In fact, it was so amazing to see that it actually won the prize of the exhibition as the best invention and the most impressive invention there, and it won the prize. And it had 7,000 different parts. And when the machine began to turn, its various pulleys and gears and and all kinds of stuff began to work. And it made a racket and it made a noise. And it had all kinds of crazy movements and bells and steam blowing off. And all kinds of stuff going on. But in the end, the machine served no purpose. The machine had no purpose. 7,000 parts moving together in unison. Making all kinds of crazy noise. All kinds of crazy crazy sounds, all kinds of crazy movements in all different directions. At first glance, it would appear there's something going on. But in the end, you realize this machine serves no purpose. And I wonder to a degree if we sometimes can get caught up in the emotion and in the, in the, in the busyness and in the activity of church, but really accomplish nothing. I wonder if we can come and because we clap and we make some noise and we may even lift our hands, we equate that to productivity spiritually. Because let's be honest today, there are going to be arenas filled today where people will be doing this. There'll be some music halls across this country where people will be doing this. This and this don't equate to act two. To productivity spiritually. I want to draw your attention to something this morning. Matthew chapter 12. And I'll read here and this is where we'll begin. Matthew chapter 12. Verse number 43. Says this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. He walketh away. Through dry places. Seeking rest. Finding none. Then he saith. I will return into my house. From whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it, everybody say this with me, empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first state. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked 
generation. There's something I find quite interesting in that scripture that sticks out to me. And I'm sure if you read it, it sticks out to you. There's something quite interesting there because there is a state and a condition in that scripture that we all are striving to be. Swept and garnished. Our whole energy and focus for most of us is going to becoming a good person. To have our lives cleaned up. Have our lives garnished. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is saying about this man. He's saying, listen, he was empty, swept, and garnished. But the key word there is, he was empty. The key word there is he was empty. Yes, his life was in order. Everything in his life looked good. Everything in his life had appearance to be something worth uh, uh, copying, something worth striving to be like. But the problem was that he was empty. And there's so many of us, our whole world Christian walk revolves around the idea of trying to make sure we don't sin and make sure we don't do this wrong and make sure we don't do that wrong and try to be this person and try to be that person and we're running around like crazy we've got gears and bells and whistles and all kinds of stuff going off and we're sweeping over here and oh I didn't I did that wrong oh God you got to help me help me over here and you run over here and oh you come here and you come to church and, and you come and say oh God I've been such a horrible person forgive me for all this junk in my life and I got to be clean got to be clean and the whole time you're running around and you're empty. Because you know what? Religion teaches you to be swept and garnished. Religion is about the perfection of being swept and garnished. But relationship deals with the empty. Relationship deals with the empty. So if you just have religion, you can get a false sense of security that says, well, I, I've got it all down. I look at me. Look, I mean, I don't, I don't say bad words. I open doors for, 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 for people and I, I smile. And when someone cuts me off in traffic, I say, Lord, bless them today. And when things are going wrong, I give a good attitude and, and everything in my life is good. And man, look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. And we get this idea, man, it, look, look at me. And I, 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 got, I, try to, I try to look the part and act the part. And, and I'm, I'm right. And I say, thank you, Jesus. I pray over my food. And isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? And, and you know, I got a cross on. I wear a cross and I let people know about my faith. And, and that's, isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing? But we're empty. Empty. Empty on the inside. We've got nothing on the inside. And I want to draw your attention to something. I didn't have a chance to write it all down, so forgive me. I had a just... Search it in my concordance on my iPad. But I want you to notice a pattern that developed. The book of Acts, in case you don't know what the book of Acts is, let me give you a brief history of what the book of Acts is. The book of Acts is really a historical, somewhat historical account. There's some other, there's some teachings in there, but for most of it, it's a historical account of the birth of the church after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts 
picks up where the Gospels end. The Gospels end with the resurrection, but the book of Acts begins with the ascension. So the book of Acts is really the, the continuation of what was taking place in that period of time. And so the book of Acts gives us great insight into, uh, to the uh, uh, um, development and the expansion and the revival of the new church. In fact, that particular period was so impactful that there were those that began to say about the 12 disciples, are these the men who have turned the world upside down? Think about that. They didn't say, are these the men that have affected Jerusalem? Are these the men that have affected Annapolis or Anaroda County? They said, literally, are these the men that have affected the whole entire world? These guys. So let's be honest. If you turn on the TV, you pick up a newspaper, listen to the radio, let's be honest, we're not affecting the world. In fact, I can make the argument the world is affecting the church far more than the church is affecting the world. There's more things about the world that have crept into the church than more things about the church that have crept into the world. In fact, I read this, I've said it before, I heard this the other day, for the first time they've ever taken a poll, they discovered in this poll, I forgot who did it, but for the first time ever, America has now become a secular nation. For the first time they'd ever taken a poll, they discovered that a majority of people that were in this poll claimed not to be Christians and not to be a church attendees for the first time in the history of America. So even America that was supposedly built upon religious freedom and built upon the idea and God we trust, we are even further going away. And now we see churches that are trying to appeal to that secular group. And so the book of Acts gives us great insight of how just 12 men, 12, 12 men, 12 men that grew into 120 and 120 that grew into 3,000, how that group literally affected the entire world. Now today, it's time change Sunday. I'm sure today there are, our numbers are going to be way down to where they normally would be. But there's much, much more in here than 120. So how can 120 affect millions, but 100, more than 120 in here, we can't really affect the 500,000 of this county. I'm not saying this to be negative. I'm trying to challenge somebody today. The Holy Ghost is. Now, let's be honest. Let's ask this question. Was God different then than he is now? Thank you, Brother Barr. At least you agree with me. Was God different then than he is now? Has God changed? He cannot change. In fact, the Bible says he's the same Yesterday, today, forever. So if that's the case, then there's something we are missing. Because you know what? For the most part, we do a pretty good job at the being swept and being garnished. We've got that part down. So if we've got the swept and garnished thing down, what is up with the results? Because let's be honest, I would imagine on this end, if I can become the best, and I put that in quotation, Christian I can be, you would think that would 
God would honor that and somehow that would bring fruit in my life. But really, if you look at it, the Bible is filled with quite the opposite. It's filled with men and women that had a lot of junk in their life, but received great results. And the church nowadays is filled with people that are relatively pretty good, if you want to use that term loosely, but have no results. So where's the crossover? I want to show you something. This is just a quick search. There's other things you can look at. I want you, if you got a chance, if you have a concordance or whatever, when you get home, I want you to type in the word Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. And I want you to go down in your concordance when you type in the word Holy Ghost, and I want you to go to the book of Acts. Not Spirit, not Holy Spirit, because that's in there too, but just the word Holy Ghost. You can look in the other, but we're just going to use that simple phrase, Holy Ghost. And I want you to hit that little search button and watch what happens. The book of Acts is 28 chapters long. But 41 times in that book, the term Holy Ghost is used. That doesn't include the Holy Spirit. That doesn't include the word Spirit. That's just the term Holy Ghost. And look at the majority of the context that was in that. And I'm just going to go briefly. Acts 1.5, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Acts 2.4, all were filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.33, received the promise, the the received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 4.8, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 4.31, filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 6.3, full of the Holy Ghost. You notice the passion pattern? Acts 6.5, full of faith and the Holy Ghost. Acts 7.55, full of the Holy Ghost. Acts 9.17, filled with the Holy Ghost. Give me a second here. I don't have this in my notes. Acts 11.16, baptized with the Holy Ghost. Acts 11.24, full of the Holy Ghost. Acts 13.9, filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 13.52, filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. There was one more in here, I think. Give me a second here. Acts 19.2, receive the Holy Ghost. Filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a pattern that's developed here, folks. There's a pattern that it was developing here in the book of Acts. Because the Bible says that when Jesus gathered around the 500, He told them, well, I feel the Holy Ghost. He told them to go to Jerusalem and to pray until you are endued or you receive or you are are filled with the power from on high. Because he said, I'm going to send my spirit. And it's going to fill you. And so this group of 500, they go to Jerusalem. You know the story, most of you do, but allow me to tell it for our guests. The 500, they go to Jerusalem. They begin to pray. 
Day one goes by, nothing happens. Day two goes by, nothing happens. Somewhere along the line, there were groups that started saying, you know what, I've got some stuff to do. I've got work to go back to. I've got stuff to have. And the crowd began to dwindle down. And by the time the day approached, most scholars think it was about seven to ten days. Seven to ten days, give or take a few. Because we know it was 50 days from, Pente- from Passover to Pentecost. Jesus was alive for 40. So seven to ten days, they were praying. Somewhere along that line, 380 people decided, nah, I-, I can't stay anymore. So we had 500 to dwindle down to 120. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were one place, one accord. They were beginning to pray. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came in that place like a rushing mighty wind. And it said, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then it said something like, it said this, and it appeared unto them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And then it said, and they were all filled. Filled. Filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this great event takes place. And they're filled with the Holy Ghost. But you know what, Brother Barr? That wasn't the only or last time that event took place. Because for too many of us, that's our story. I received the Holy Ghost. And you can give me the date, the time, and what you were wearing. But that's the extent of it. Because watch what happens. These were the same men. I'm going to pull this up to read the context of it. Same men. Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time began to speak in other tongues. What an experience. But two chapters later, go over in your Bible just a couple of streets to the right. Acts chapter 4. And watch what happens. Go back up to verse 23 for the context. And being let go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God in one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all therein, all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for a truth against his, thy holy child, Jesus whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles, people of Israel, were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant it to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak the word by stretching forth thy hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Now watch this, ready? Verse 31. Don't forget Acts 2, verse 31. And when they prayed this, the place was shaken. Where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to wait. Time out. I thought they already had it. Back up the tape. Acts 2 said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. The same guys are praying again. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Hold 
on a second. I thought one time was good. I thought Acts 2, you received the Holy Ghost. That was good. Wait a minute. Why are they doing it again? Wait a minute. I got the Holy Ghost. I got it. But here are the same guys that were praying again. And the same experience they had the first time. They had it again. And the Bible says the room was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not a typo, folks. The Bible doesn't make mistakes. That's not a grammatical error. It should have said, and they, they that had the Holy Ghost began to rejoice. Right? They prayed. The room was shaken. And they danced and shouted and sang songs to God because it was a great day. That's what we would write today, right? Boy, we were at church today and the room was filled with the power of God and it shook and we shouted all over the place. Woo! Wait a minute. 7,000 moving parts. Nothing happening. 7,000 moving parts. Woo! Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched... Noise. I'm not saying that. We've been been preaching about praise, so don't act like I'm anti-praise. I'll shout you down. But we can get into caught in the emotion and the chaos of everything. Woo! And, and say, wow, wasn't that great? Where was that there? And the room began to shake. And Brother Peter got on the organ. And he began to play a little sound. Oh, and it was a great day. And Brother John began up and he began to wax out. No, it said the room was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute. It was only a few days prior to that that they had the first experience. Oh, come on. Somebody's got to hear me today. It was only a few days they had the first experience when they began to speak in tongues for the first time. And you would think, man, boy, that's awesome. Whew, got that off my checklist. Good, done. Now what's next? They're right back again. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And it began to say in a pattern all through the book of Acts, full of the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, full with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, full with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, full with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost, full with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that wasn't the only time that happened. It didn't happen twice. But somewhere along the line, Peter and John and all the rest that were a part of that movement that shook the world every day, every day. Every day, they had an experience with God that shook them and got a feeling inside of them. Why? Now watch this. We're going to connect the dots. Anybody like to play connect the dots? We're going to start connecting some dots. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Something very unique takes place in Acts chapter 2. It said, it appeared to them cloving tongues like as a fire. And it's set upon each of them. So I want you to picture this. The first time the Spirit of God, and some of you have heard me teach about this before, so give me a chance to reiterate it. The first time the Spirit of God filled someone, you get these dancing flames on their head. I've seen some amazing stuff. Never seen someone's hair. Well, I've seen some hair catch on fire, but it wasn't because of the Holy Ghost. Probably looks like my hair is caught on fire. 
I've never seen someone have a dancing flame on top of their head. Why? Why? Did God choose? Follow me here. Why did God choose on the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost to have dancing flames on heads? You would think really, let's be honest, if you would think to, be, to, to really say what was going on, it would have came out of their mouth or something, fire out of their mouth. Because the, there was a prophet in the Old Testament that said, it's like fire, shut up in my bones. So you think it'd be like breathing fire and they begin to speak in other tongues and breathe fire. Now that would have been cool. But I'm not sure the whole dancing flame thing. Dancing flame. And I've, I've grown up in church all my life and for years I read that and thought, okay, dancing flames. It's kind of strange. But let's pause for a moment because God never does anything by accident. God never does anything by accident. Nothing's ever in there for filler. Nothing's in there just because there was nothing else to write, so let's stretch the story. Who was in that room that day? Of the 120, who were they made up of? Jews. At the point in time, uh, y'all don't mind if I sit down for a second, thank you. They were 120 Jews. The Gentiles had not received the Holy Ghost at that time, so they were only a Jewish church. So to understand the Jewish church, you have to go back and look at their foundation. And at the foundation of the Jewish faith was the temple and the tabernacle. The temple and the tabernacle had a lot of, a lot of different elements to it that we could spend all day, all month, all year, all decade talking about. But there was one thing in the tabernacle that was relevant to what we're talking about today. And you've seen it before. It was called the menorah, the lampstand. You've seen it pictures before. You've probably seen many, many different interpretations of it, but it was a lampstand that came and had seven, seven kind of branch, one main branch and three branches on this side, three branches on this side, and they all came up, created a perfectly parallel top to it, and it had this kind of beautiful flowing design to it. And at the top of those, that wasn't for just decoration. Most people now would use it for decoration, but back then it served a purpose. The first thing was, in the Old Testament, God used the Old Testament to establish the pattern for what was going to happen in the New Testament, okay? So in the Old Testament, that lampstand represented the Spirit of God. But if you go back into the, the history books, they'll describe to you what it looked like. And something very unique takes place. This was prior to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They described it as these branches coming up and they had like an almond type looking opening to them. And they described it, they said it looked like a mouth that was open. This was, this was the Jewish writers describing it this way. This wasn't someone later down the road that was trying to pee. This is what they said. It looked like a mouth and on top of these different uh, uh, stands, the seven ones, there was a dancing flame on top of each one of those. Now, I want you to picture that in your mind. You've got this lampstand that represents the Spirit of God. 
And on top of that, you've got these dancing flames. The Holy Ghost comes along. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is poured out on Acts chapter 2. The, the veil of the temple is torn in two. The Spirit of God is released out of the holiest of holies. Now we're transferring the power of God out of the tabernacle or the temple into this temple. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's getting out of the temple made with hands and temple that was made from Him. So... Oh, I wish I could just preach on this all day. So if that temple represented the elements of God, then this temple has got to represent the same elements. So when the baptism of the Holy Ghost is poured out, the first thing that happens is dancing flames on top of the head. What in the world was dancing flames on top of the head? But I guarantee you that day, when they saw those flames, Peter turned to John and said, look at that. What is it? Look at the fire on top. And all of a sudden, their eyes got big because they realized what was taking place. They understood the significance of those flames on top of the head because they knew no longer is the Spirit of God represented by the menorah that's in the temple. But now the Spirit of God is no longer in the temple, but the Spirit of God is now in this temple. And the fire that burned in that temple is the same fire that's burning on this temple. Watch this. Now we got to go back again. We got to trace back. We got to trace it back again. In the temple, there was priests that their, 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 their job. The Bible says that these lampstands, they, they held like four to six eggs worth of oil. That was the measurement, eggs of oil. Four to six. So we know that the flame was burning because of what was inside the lamp continuing to let it burn. And there was a group of priests, literally, their job was to continue to make sure that lampstand had enough oil to keep burning. Their job was every day. Everybody say every day. Every day, their job was to make sure that lampstand was filled off, was topped off. Not once a week. Not on Easter and Christmas. Not when when they could conveniently work it into their schedule. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost coming up on me right now. Not when it was was worked in their favor and and they needed something. Oh, we need something from God. So hurry, hurry, hurry. Let's gather together. We've got to go fill the lampstand because we need God to help us. Every day. They got up. And they had one job and one job only. You make sure this lampstand has enough oil. Because you don't just light it once and it burns forever. You don't just set it on fire, walk away and say, my job's done. Now what else can we do? Well, that's over with. Now what else can we get? Can we go over here and redecorate this? And we're going to redecorate that? Oh, oh, the, that, 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 that fire's going to keep on burning. Don't worry about that fire. It's okay. We got enough oil in that fire. Don't worry about it. 
The problem is, you do that, you come back one day and you're like, oh, where'd it go? What happened to it? I don't see the same light in here like I used to. I don't feel the same thing in here like I used to. Wait, 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 what happened? Where'd the light go? Now, did the light change? No. What changed? They didn't keep it filled. So why do you think sometimes you come in here and all of a sudden you come in and you don't feel anything? Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm on it now. I'm going to step right on it. We're just going to step right. I got to button myself back up again to get ready for this. How come you think you can come in here and sometimes you don't feel anything and you look around and go, well, if they just sing my song or that preacher would preach what I want to hear or they would do that or they do that, I'd feel better. No, honey, you got no oil in your lamp. Bottom line, you got too busy with your life and your stuff and you let your oil come out because you know what? Every day when I get up, the first thing I got to do is say, Jesus, fill me. Don't fill me on Sunday. Don't fill me just every week. But Lord, on Monday morning, fill me. On Tuesday morning, fill me. On Wednesday evening, fill me. On Thursday, fill me. On Friday, fill me. On Saturday, fill me. Somebody needs to put your hands together and give God praise. Fill us, Jesus. Baptize us afresh with your spirit. Baptize us fresh with your spirit. Somebody in this place today, you need to be dissatisfied with where you are. It's been too long since your house was shaken. It's been too long since you felt the mighty rushing wind that filled your house. You've got too used to an empty lampstand. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, preacher, I received the Holy Ghost. I did it last year. Well, I received the Holy Ghost five years ago. Well, come on, man. I've been coming here for 30 years. I received it. Really? 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 You think this area wants an empty lamp stand? Because you know what? If that's what it's about, there are plenty of other churches that got more money than us can build a better lamp stand. We don't have enough money in this church to build a better lamp stand. They can outbuild us. There's some churches not to be named around this area. They can outbuild us when it comes to the lampstand. I mean, they can, I imagine they can digitize the lampstand now. Forget that analog stuff. We're going to put a switch on it, hook it up to some propane. It ain't about the lampstand, honey. It's what's in the lampstand that matters. And there's too many of us, I'm afraid. We're running around with empty lampstands. How do I know that? Just look at your life. Because what happens in the dark? You can't see. What happens when you can't see? You get confused. What happens when you get confused? You start wandering. What happens when you start wandering? You start looking for anything you can hold on to. Anything you can grab. And then eventually what happens? You get dissatisfied and you say, forget all that. I don't need to do anything anymore. You know what? God, God, God loves me just like I am. If, look, I am here at church. Isn't that good enough? 
Look, if I don't come to church, what's the big deal? They got 250 people in there. They're not going to know why I'm not here. What's the big deal? I don't even need a church. I don't even need to be in a church. I love God just the way I am. Him and me have this. See that? You know how? Empty lampstand. Empty lampstand. Doesn't just take place overnight. Empty lampstand. Because you know what? You come in here and you confuse activity with productivity. And you come to church and we worship and you worship along with us. And you think, well, there you go. Ooh, that was good. And I walk out and I think, man, that was awesome. But all you did was rattle it. You didn't, you didn't fill that lampstand. You just shook it a little bit. And we worship. You pray. Oh, this is great. Oh, that was awesome. Boy, did you feel the presence of God in there today? It was great. You have someone come along. They lay hands on you. Boy, Jesus' name. And you feel, whoo. You know why? Because their oil is spilling on you, Sathreen, because you got oil. Oh, Jesus, help us. Their oil just dropped on you a little bit. Because they got so much, they can give it away. That's why you go pray for people and nothing happens. I know I'm teaching, preaching, whatever I'm doing today. The Lord is talking. That's why you can go pray for people and nothing happens. Because you can't give something to somebody you don't have. You can't give them oil when you barely have enough to make it. And that's why you can come to church and someone can pray for you. You, woo, woo, that was, woo. you walk around going, man, God is awesome. That was awesome. All they did was pour a little oil in you from there, but you got no oil yourself. And when you wake up Monday morning, guess what happens, baby? You empty. And your life is a mess. You got no direction. You're confused. And all of a sudden, you start making decisions. When you make a decision with an empty lampstand, When you get in a dark room and you that room you're not familiar with, you don't do anything quickly. Everything becomes laborious. Everything becomes a painstaking Okay, whew. Oh. Cuz you're afraid every step you take may be your last. And the Bible says, walk boldly. Walk boldly before the throne. Forget that. Walk boldly? Are you crazy? Can we crawl boldly? Because I can't walk because I can't see. Why can't you see? You've got an empty lamp stand. And you know what I can hear? I can hear this in my, in my head. Some people say, well, you know, all that Holy Ghost stuff. Don't you think we go over a little too overboard with all that Holy Ghost stuff? Don't you think that's a little overboard? You know how many people we could have in this church if we wouldn't scare them away with all that Holy Ghost stuff? You know, if we would down, we would back down on that Holy Ghost stuff, we could fill this place. I have an answer for you today, all right? Baby, 
If we don't have too much, we don't have enough. So if you're thinking we're going the opposite way, you're going to have to fasten your seatbelt because I'm telling you, we need more of some. Fill me, Jesus. 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 Fill me, fill me till I'm overflowing. Fill me, baptize me afresh. Baptize me afresh. Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Come on, the presence of God is in this place. Right where you're standing, lift up your voice, lift up your hands, and shake your house. Come on, pray, 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 pray. Come on, don't give your typical Pentecostal lip service but let there be something that rises up on the inside of you that says baptize me Jesus baptize me Jesus with the Holy Ghost and fire shut up in my bones baptize me Jesus I will you know, I've got the Holy Ghost. Good, get it again. Well, I spoke in tongues yesterday. Do it again. Well, I felt the power of God last week. That's good. Do it again. 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 It's not good enough. If you can't remember the last time that you truly were baptized with the Holy Ghost, you don't need to leave here today until it happens again. I don't care if this is your first time, or I don't care if you come here every week, your entire life. But if you can't remember the last time that you were baptized with the Holy Ghost, you need to pray until He does it again. Come on. Come on. Come on. There were one place and one accord. Come on. Pray for somebody near you. Come on. Say, baptize us, Jesus. Come on, be used to the Spirit. Be used to the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is in here. Don't wait for me to tell you what to do. Be led of the Spirit. Be led of the Spirit. There are people in here today that need to be baptized for the first time. There's people in here today that need to be baptized for the second time. There are people in here today that need it afresh and anew because they haven't had it in a while. Come on, church. We need a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, find somebody to pray with. Reach over next to you, find somebody to pray with. Come on, reach over next to you, find somebody to pray with. Come on, let the Lord use you right now. Let the Lord use you right now. 
be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Come on. God wants to pour out his spirit in this place today. God wants to pour out his spirit. You say, well, isn't that just a bunch of emotion? No, 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 no. Not by night. Not by power.